Hi, and welcome to the Annex Podcast Elevate YM Edition. We're a youth group at the Building Christian Fellowship that believes that you can have a real and relevant relationship with Jesus, even at a young age. And we pray you enjoyed this message from last Thursday. Now, before we get started, you might recognize that in this particular translation, if you guys are reading other translations, in the New Living Translation, there's no verse 14. And according to my research, it's not that they omitted it because they're out to get Christians. It's more so about through their translation, through them translating it from the original language, they recognized in certain Greek transcripts that that verse was omitted. So listen, this is I'm not trying to throw y'all off. I didn't omit a verse so that we couldn't speak the true word of God, but I wanted to find a translation or version that would best speak to us, best speak to I'm going to say our generation like I'm still a teenager, but best speaking in a way so that we can all understand. Amen? So I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. We'll be reading from verse 13 all the way to 28. If you got it, say, I got it. If you don't got it, say, I'm reading up on the board. Thank you for your honesty. It's all good. You know, we're all, we all getting there. But, hey, man, make sure you download the Bible app. Um, make sure that you, uh, if you can, if you have the means, man, go on Amazon. Get you a physical Bible. There's a store. Uh, here in Fairfield, man, I got a deal on mine. She walked in. She's like, wow, a young man getting a Bible? You know, I'm going to give you a discount. You never know. You might get hooked up. But anyways, Matthew chapter 23. And I'm praying that this passage of Scripture chastises, challenges, and changes you in a way that it changed me. Tonight's message isn't about condemnation. I'm not condemning you guys. But this is something that we can use to be a heart check for us Christians. For us to really check and see what our motives are and to see if what we're doing really is for God or is it just to glorify ourselves. Amen. Matthew chapter 23, it says this. What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? Hypocrites, for you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You won't go in yourselves and you don't let others enter either. Verse 15. What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cross the land and sea to make one convert, and then you turn to that person into twice the child of hell you yourselves are. Blind gods, what sorrow awaits you? For you say that it means nothing to swear by God's temple, but that it is binding to swear by the gold in the temple. Blind fools, which is more important? The gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred. And you say that to swear by the altar is not binding, but to swear by the gifts on the altar is binding. How blind. For which is more important, the gift on the altar or the altar that makes the gift sacred? When you swear by the altar, you are swearing by it and by everything on it. And when you swear by the temple, you are swearing by it and by God who lives in it. And when you swear by heaven, you are swearing by the throne of God and by God who sits on the throne. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? Hypocrites. For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but don't neglect the more important things. Blind guides. You strain your water so you don't accidentally swallow a gnat, but you swallow a camel. What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites? 
For you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee. First watch the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? Hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all types of impurity. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. Can the church say amen? The title of tonight's message, if you're taking notes, hope you're taking notes, not for my sake, but for our sake, is don't be a scam artist. Don't be a scam artist. Now, for some of you guys, you might not know what the heck a scam artist is. I got your back. I got the definition for you. A scam artist is a person who attempts to defraud others by presenting a fraudulent offer and pretending that it's legitimate. Another name for a scam artist is a con artist. Anybody familiar with those two names and those two terms? What a scam artist is and a con artist? When's the last time you've been scammed? Like, how many times were you kind of promised something on the front end, but it ended up not turning out the way that it was supposed to be? Like, have you guys ever been in school and your teacher promises you a pizza party and then she just gives you the pizza that's from the cafeteria? Like, bro, I don't want this pre-frozen Everyday pizza, I'm expecting round table, mountain mic, something, little Caesar, something. How many people have, have, have had their hopes up uh, about going to their favorite amusement park only to find out all your favorite l- l- rides are closed for the day? Like, this is a scam. This is supposed to be a fun place where I could come and ride Medusa, but, hey, oh, I guess we can't do it. You're trying to sell me something. Medusa is on the, the advertisement, and then Medusa don't work? I got scammed out of my 78.97 to get up in here. Now, I don't know about you guys, but this week I've been taking a lot of L's. I've been taking a lot of L's. I'm on this diet right now, and I can't really eat bread and, like, pasta and rice and stuff. And so I'm trying to find my way. I'm trying to stay faithful to this diet, right? And I can still eat meat. I can still eat bacon. I can still eat cheese and stuff. So I figured, you know what, let me go ahead and get a protein burger. And I got a protein burger I tried it twice. Listen, I'm really trying my hardest. I tried it at Five Guys, trash. I tried it at In-N-Out, trash again. Like, I'm really trying my best. You're marketing this stuff to me, and I'm thinking it's going to be worthwhile. I'm thinking it's going to be fulfilling. I'm thinking it's going to be able to fulfill my desires, and yet it still was trash. Another time that it happened, too, was, and this is a real story. I don't know if it's because of the workouts. I've been a lot more consistent on my workouts, too. A couple weeks ago, I went to go start my car and lie to you not. Thanos style, my key disintegrated in my hand as I was trying to start the car. I don't know if it's the workouts. You know, I'm getting a little yoked out here. You know what I'm saying? Get a little swole, whatever. Shouts out to the spot. But I go to start the car and the key breaks. So I'm like, I got to get a new key. And I don't know if you guys understand when it comes to car parts and stuff. A lot of times you can't just get certain car parts from anywhere. A lot of times, you know, unfortunately, you have to go to the dealer. And guess what? The dealer ain't cheap. The dealer is, is, is usually always expensive. And what I was trying to do, because honestly, transparent moment, I don't like spending money. And I didn't want to have to go to the dealer. So guess what your boy did? Your boy had to Google a key fob, okay? I Googled a key fob. 
I looked everywhere. I was looking for a key fob, something that would be able to turn to my car. I know cars enough to know that the, the key had to be programmed to the car so that it starts because of security reasons, right? Everything had to be legit. So I was like, all right, cool. I have an idea. My key fob is broken. What I'll do is I'll take the guts, like, which has the chip and everything, out of my broken key, and I'll put it into a new shell. Should be good. So I go on Amazon, and lo and behold, I find a key fob. And it was like almost too good, be, good, too good to be true. Like the key fob was like $7, right? Mind you, to get a key fob from the dealer is like $150, if not $250. $7 compared to $250, which one are y'all choosing? $7, right, right, right. You with me, you with me. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to get two key fobs. This is only $7. Not going to take this sale. I'm going to get two key fobs. So I got the key fobs. Day or two later, comes in the mail. Cool. Looks legit. It looks exactly, I wish I would have took a picture. It looks exactly like my key fob. It was a blank key copy. It was, it was empty inside. I could just change the guts out. So I'm like, all right, cool. So I take it. I get done with the boys' workout the other day, and I go to Ace Hardware here in Susun. I go, taking the key copy. I'm like, hey, man, I didn't want to seem like I was some, like, dude that stole a car and then, like, tried to get the keys copied or something. I'm like, hey, man, uh, just broke my key fob. I'm just looking to see if I can get a key copy made. I plan on changing the guts out so that way I can save some money. The, the manager takes the keys, right, and he looks and he goes, I hate to tell you, man, but we can't work on this key. I'm like, why? He's like, well, we, we can't really, I'm not trying to say that these are fake keys, but we can't really say that these keys are going to work because we're not sure if they're legitimate. And I was like, all right, cool. Where, you know where I can go? Yeah, you can go, I'm not going to name the name. You can go to this nearby key in Locksmith and get your key cut. I'm like, all right, cool, I know where it's at. It's right on this street, right? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I go, I take it to the guy, right? The guy, this guy is supposed to be like a key master, right? You go into the store, there are like keys from like 1776, revolutionary days, up on the wall, all kinds of locks and like skeleton keys. Like there's a million keys and locks in there, right? So I'm like, I'm in the right place. Like he's going to know exactly what I need to do. So he looks at him, he's like, again, man, I don't know if I can really work on these keys. Like they look cool, they look like they're real, but I can't guarantee that they'll work. So he cuts the key anyway. He's like, look, here's what we'll do. I'll cut you the key. We'll check the first key. And if that works and it, and, it, and it starts your car, then I'll cut you the second one and you'll pay your money. I'm like, all right, cool. Sounds good. He's like, it's going to be this much. It's going to be like 20 bucks. I'm like, okay, cool. It's not $250. I'm still, I'm still in the green right now. It's not $250, so I'm still good. So, so far, I've spent less than 50 better than 250 right? So he does it. I take out that first key. I go. Car turns on. Not ignited. But the car turns on. Like, you can play with the radio to roll the windows down, stuff like that. Then I go to start it. It turns. So I'm like, oh, maybe it just needs to get used to the car or something like that. Maybe, you know, maybe I'm just kind of like rushing it or something like that. So I'm like, all right, cool. I run back inside, and I go and tell the dude, hey, everything's good. I think we're good. You know, once I get everything set and out there and I change the guts out, it should be fine. He's like, all right, let me cut the other one. Does it real quick. Gets it. All right, man, it's going to be $20. All right, all right, cool. Thanks, man. Have a good day. Get in the car. Change the guts out. Go to start the car. Are you getting the point? It didn't start. 
The keys were fake. The keys were counterfeit. When the keys were put to the test, when, when, when in comparison to what the real key was, it, it wasn't a real authentic thing. And here's the point I'm trying to make. This is why I tell this long story. I wanted us to get this image in our mind on what is real and what is fake. Again, I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm not trying to put your life under a microscope. I'm not trying to tell you that, that we're all perfect here. But what I want to share with you guys is this. We can't be scam artists in the kingdom of God. We, we can't be the people, people, whether you believe it or not, your family members, your friends, the people that know you, if you're living the lifestyle that you're supposed to live, they know that you're Christians. But for lack of better words, what type of Christian are you selling to your non-Christian friends? Are you selling this type of Christian that is, is holy in public but does whatever they want to in private? Are you selling this type of Christian that you have to be good enough in order to go to church? Are you selling this Christian that, like, nothing ever goes wrong with me, my life is perfect, nothing ever happens bad to Christians? Are you selling that type of Christian? Or are you giving people the truth? Are you leading people to yourselves and you being the gatekeeper on what it means to be a good person and what it means to be a righteous person? Or are you leading them to real righteousness, real goodness, the real thing, the real authentic thing that is our God is Jesus Christ. The title of tonight's message is Don't Be a Scam Artist. So I got three points for y'all, like I always do. Three things that we can do to check our hearts as Christians to make sure that we're not a scam artist when it comes to the kingdom of God. To make sure that we're not selling a false narrative to our non-believing friends. To make sure that we're not selling a false narrative to our our our, 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 our colleagues and the people that are around us. The first point of tonight is this. Check your receipts. Check your receipts. Look at your neighbor and say, check your receipts. Now, I know some of you guys might not spend a lot of money, but usually most times, more than not, when you have a receipt that basically tells you what you purchased, it, it tells you the thing that you just made a purchase on in your past. has the date on it, everything. The, the, the question I want to ask you guys when, we, when I say check your receipts is this. Has the idea of being a Christian been about having good behavior and not real transformational change? Check on what habits and things you've been doing in your past as a Christian. Are the things that you're doing leading people to God or are they leading people to yourself? Even if you're doing things that, that, that seemingly is holy, even if you're serving in church, are you serving for the glory of God? Or are you serving for the glory of self? Don't think that the stage is the only place that you can give glory to yourself. It might seem like it's something simple. It might seem like, well, hey, JR, I'm just, I'm just a cleaning person. Like, how can I give glory to myself? Think about it for a second. Say you're on the cleaning crew, and say that the, 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 the crew was light that night. It was only you and somebody else. And the thing, you did a really good job, and everything was really good, right? And pastor comes around and says, man, whoever cleaned the, the, the church on Monday really did a good job. And all of a sudden, like, it was me. It was me, pastor. I did it. It was me. I cleaned the church. How's that giving glory to God? How is that saying, like, you know what? Man, I had a long, a long day today, pastor, but you know what? To God be the glory. He gave me the energy to come and serve the church. Those are two different hearts. Rather than pointing yourself, rather than pointing the attention to yourself, it's like, look, I may have been here, I may have been the vessel used, I may have been the person in the situation, 
But it wasn't my power that allowed me to do this. It was God working through me that allowed me to do this. And I know it seems like really simple type things. Even when it comes to worship, even when it comes to a technical type of skill, like wisdom can just as easily say, well, I spend hours and hours of practice and I watch all the videos and I know my theory and I know my scales and I know how to play different chords. Man, I'm the best thing out here. She could say that. But how is that giving glory to God? That even inside the church, if we're not careful, we can misdirect where the glory is supposed to go. And that's in everything. That's why I bring up the, 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 the cleaning ministry. This applies to every part of our lives. What are you doing? Check your receipts. It becomes a problem when we sell the idea of, of, of the glory being for us, of the righteousness coming from us, and the goodness coming from us. It becomes a problem when we sell that idea to other people. When people know us, you might have your friend that's like, look, hey, Trayvon, I know you go to church, but you be going to the same and doing the same stuff that I be doing at the house. Just use you as an example, bro. I'm not trying, to, not trying to slander you out here in these streets. Like, hey, Jaden, I, I know you be going doing your church thing. I know, you know, I know your parents have been saved for a long time. I know your dad serves in the church. But, hey, you were at that same party that I was at. Is that the lifestyle that we're selling to our friends and family? Is that the type of idea of a Christian that we're selling to people that don't know what it means to be a true son or daughter of the Most High God? We have to check our receipts. We, we can't just be Christians with our mouths. We can't just be Christians that just spew out verses and know how to sing all the worship songs and know how to do all the Christian things. But we have to be Christians on the inside the same way that we are on the outside. And I would encourage you guys to realize this. You aren't a Christian until you're changed on the inside. You can get all the behaviors right. You can be the best Christian that you can possibly be. You may have stopped cussing. You may have stopped doing certain things. But it's important that it happens from the inside out. Mark chapter 7 verse 6 says this. It says, Jesus replied, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. For, for he wrote, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Like you know how to say all the Christianese stuff. But your heart for God is far from him. We're doing this to check our hearts. Amen. Our first point was check your receipts. Check the behavior that you were doing in the past as a Christian. The next point is this. Check your inventory. Look at your neighbor and say, check your inventory. When I'm saying that, here's the thing I want us to consider when we check our inventory. We may consider to have a great amount of something only to find out that it was a counterfeit all along. I'm going to say that one more time. We might consider in our lives to have a great amount of something only to find out that it was counterfeit all along. You may have been a Christian for a long time. You may have done a lot of good and great things. You maybe have fed the homeless and, and, and gave that homeless guy $5 that was in front of the grocery store. And maybe you helped a helped an old lady change her tire, and you might have like a long laundry list of good things that you've done in your life, only to find out that that wasn't the thing that God called you to do. Does that make sense? That shake anybody's thought process for a second? See, we all have a reference point on what goodness is. We all have a kind of a relative idea of what goodness is. But 
if all of our ideas of what good is changes from person to person, what really is good? We have a reference point, and God has a reference point, and they both are drastically different. You see, the, the word of God says that our righteousness is like filthy rags compared to God's righteousness. That, that in comparison, we, we, we pale in comparison on defining what goodness really is. We have to ask ourselves, was this a good thing or was this a God thing? Was this just something that I did that made me feel better? Because it, it does feel better helping people, doesn't it? When somebody is hard on their luck in hard times, they might be homeless or they might be hungry. It feels good to give them some money so that they can provide for themselves. If you got a friend that, 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 that needs help and needs assistance, it feels good to help that person and, 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 and make themselves feel better. But the second that you're doing it for yourself and you're not doing it for the glory of God, it's good, but it's the thing that God called you to do. Listen, these dudes in the Bible, these Pharisees, this, these people that God was calling, a hypo, calling hypocrites, they were people that did good things. But you know what they did? They did it so that they could be seen. They did good things only when certain eyes were watching. They did good things only to make themselves seem like they were good people, but deep down inside, they were just as nasty and dirty as people that didn't know God at all. So I want you to check yourself for just a second. It's like, although it might make you feel good, is it the thing that God is calling you to do? Although it might make yourself seem like it's good in the public, is it the thing that God is calling you to do? Because God just doesn't want you to be good on the outside. He doesn't want you to be good and just do good things to make yourselves feel better or to make other people feel better. What he wants more than anything else is that your heart is transformed. Is that the very thing that is on the inside of you, the very thing that guides you and leads in your life, your feelings, this flesh, your heart is transformed through Jesus Christ. Is that, look, real goodness comes from a transformed heart. Real goodness comes from a transformed heart that's been transformed by God. That we can try our very best to be righteous in our own standards. We can do our very best to be righteous in our own understanding. But according, but, but, but in comparison to what God is and, 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 and who he is, it's nothing. So, so, so don't fool yourself into thinking that, well, I can act good in public, but I can do what I want to in private. That I'll be a good person in public, but I'm having sex outside of marriage in private. That I can be good in public, and I can go to church uh, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, all these different days, and yet I'm still uh, 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 practicing this sin on the private parts of my life. We have to recognize that that true transformation happens all the way through and not just in the public places. That, that so many of us are, have fooled ourselves into thinking that we're good enough, fooling ourselves into thinking, well, I'm comfortable enough in where I am with God, that we think that we're saved. In all reality, we aren't saved until we repent and turn to God. And when we repent, we're turning from the things that we knew, we're turning from the ideas and the thought processes that we had on what was goodness and righteousness and turning towards God. It's important for you to know that as a Christian, this isn't about you just like, well, I feel good about it. It's all good. 
Man, you know, you know what Pastor JR says on Thursday? We ain't perfect. I can slip up sometimes. Well, you know, as long, well, I can have sex with my girl on this day and to just show up to church and pray it away later, right? God has grace. God, God gives me, God gives me a second chance, right? That's what we learned about at Elevate. The word of God literally says this. Should we continue to sin so that grace may abound? Basically saying this, should we continue to sin so that we can have more grace? You guys know what the answer is? No. Because what, do, what, what God did on the cross was enough. When, when we knowingly sin, after we've accepted God in life and say, well, I can ask for forgiveness later. You know what you're saying? You're basically saying to yourself, subconsciously or not, that what God did on the cross was, was, wasn't enough. Jesus dying on the cross for me and raising from the dead wasn't enough for my life. We have to come to the realization that now that we've been saved, now that we've been set free by the sacrifice that Jesus did on the cross, when he paid for our debt, when he paid for our sin, that we are set free. We are no longer bound to the life that we used to live. We are no longer bound to the sins that, 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 that kept our forefathers and our fathers in bondage. That we can live a life that's free indeed. We have to check our inventory. We have to check our inventory and check our heart and our mindset into thinking that we know what's best for us. We have to have the heart and mindset that, that, that looks towards God, that looks toward the things that he has for our lives, that each and every step that we take, each and every decision that we make isn't about glorifying ourselves and making ourselves better and making ourselves feel better and make ourselves look good on camera and look good to certain people. But we do it, whether we're seen or not, to, to, to give God the glory. Because believe it or not, God is always watching. God is always paying attention. Even when you think you're in a certain place where, man, nobody's ever going to find out. Nobody's ever going to know. Nobody's going to ever know that I struggle with this particular thing. Nobody's ever going to know that I snuck out my house and I met with so-and-so that night. That God is watching even then. That we have to get out of the mindset that God only sees us at church. That God only sees us when, when our parents are around. That God only sees us when our saved friends are around. God has his eye on you at each and every second. So we have to check our inventory. We have to check our hearts. In Proverbs chapter 14, it says this. It says, there is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. It might seem like you're taking the right step, but it ends in death. That with each and every step that we take in our lives, that we do what the word says, that, that, that Jesus' word, that God's word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Meaning this. Jesus, your light is so pure, your light is so bright, not only is it something that guides me on my path, but it's something that allows me to check my heart, check what I'm doing, making sure that when I'm on this path, I'm not walking sideways or I'm walking with a limp or walking with a certain type of thing that'll take me off the path that you set before me. That's what happens when we check our inventory, to make sure that we're not getting too puffed up, to make sure that we're not getting too big-headed in our own righteousness. Our first point was this. Check your, check your receipts. Make sure you're checking the, bad, the, the habits that you were doing in your life. This is something that you can continue to do for the rest of your walk with God. Continuously check the, 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 the things and the habits and the choices that you've made to make sure that they weren't just good but that they were God. 
The next is check your inventory. Make sure that, that, that you consider that it, it wasn't something that was good in your own eyes, but make sure that, that it wasn't something that was counterfeit all along. Our last point is this, is check your practices. Check your practices. This is what we're going to do and, and to watch our behaviors on what will lead into the future. A lot of times we see changed behavior as the only sign of transformation. But it doesn't happen from the, the outside in. It happens from the inside out. So many times when somebody gets saved and we, and we know a certain person that acted one way, they started coming to church and they started acting a different way. Naturally, when we see them acting differently, when we see them acting in a better mood and stuff like that, we consider them to be saved. But in reality, us being Christians isn't just a behavioral modification. We don't come to church and, and, and learn how to be better boys and girls. We don't just come to church to, just to be like, uh, 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 well, you know, Johnny was out there cutting up, but now he's a good boy that goes to church. Like, that's, that's not what church is for. Church is for transformation. Church is for real groundbreaking change. Church is, is, is something that can be so powerful that when you get around the right godly people, when you get uh, uh, in the right place to experience the presence of God for the first life, that not only does it change the way that you act, but it changes your heart and cleans your heart from the inside out. In Matthew chapter 23, in verse 25, it says this. It says, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of, uh, full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first wash, out, wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. Let me ask you this. Have you guys been in the bad habit of just cleaning the outside of the cup? Have you guys been in the bad habit of just trying to make yourself look like a better person but not actually changing what's going on in the inside? Let me ask you a deeper question. Have you guys been coming to church over and over again trying to get rid of a bad habit, trying to get rid of an addiction, trying to stop doing something, and yet you don't see any real change? We have to come to the realization that if we truly believe that the word says that whom the son sets free is free indeed, and I am set free by, by, by taking Jesus into my heart, by, by allowing him to be my Lord and Savior, that I will see change, we have to recognize that we have to take the power uh, uh, with recognizing God. And this is what I'm saying. Am I saying that once you become a Christian, there won't be a difficult time in you unlearning some bad habits? Yes, it will be difficult. But if you want to see real change, if you want to see the power of God in your life, if you want to see your life change drastically, allow Jesus to clean the inside of you for real. Don't just come to church and watch the behaviors of different people and like, okay, this is what a Christian does. When this happens, a Christian responds like this. When this happens, this responds like this. When this happens, I'll say this. When this happens, I'm not going to cuss this time, but I might use, rather than saying the D word, I'm going to say, dang it. That's what Christians do. No, that's not how it works. The Bible talks often about how can the carnal mind, how can the physical mind understand spiritual things? It can't. 
you, you can be a, a, a doctor, you can be a, a super study person and read this book, and you only read it from beginning to end like a piece of literature. Like, oh, that was a good story. The main character died and came back. It was pretty good. But it is through God's spirit that we understand spiritual things. It is through receiving God's spirit that we receive God's power and God's knowledge and his wisdom. And speaking of wisdom, as I come to a close, we can all stand to our feet. I'm going to repeat myself again. This wasn't a message to condemn you. This wasn't a message to, 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 to wag my finger at you. This wasn't a message to make you feel sorry for yourself, but it was a message to that, that would hopefully convict you like it convicted me. And I know some of us in this room have parents that serve every single day in the church. We have parents, and we, we, we might come from a family that's been in church our whole lives. But let me share something with you. There's going to come a time and place in your life where guess what? You don't have to go to church if you don't want to. And listen to what I'm saying. I don't want my, my words being taken out of context. There's going to be a point in your lives where you're going to be able to have your own house, have your own car, be able to get up when you want to, be able to choose the job that you want to and what you want to do with your life. Are you going to be so caught up in, 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 in false and fake righteousness and, and just looking to be a Christian that you don't have any real relationship? Are you going to get so caught up in, in the habit of not having a real, relevant, uh, a real relevant connection with God that when it becomes a choice for you that your relationship, quote-unquote, Christian, Christian relationship with God kind of falls to the wayside? These are questions that I ask of you now because there's going to be a time where you're going to be able to make a choice when you come to church and when you serve God and when you're going to honor God. Make the right choices and behaviors now. Because listen, there are people that come to church that aren't saved. Spoiler alert. There are people that walk in those doors that aren't saved. They got the habits down, right? They know when to sit down and, and be quiet and listen to the message, and they know when to stand up and raise their hands and act like they're worshiping and doing that version of worship that they think it is. But without the relationship, it means nothing. Without the righteousness of God, it isn't righteousness at all. Without allowing God to do a real transformational change on the inside of us, all that other stuff can go out, go out the window. Yes, it's good for you to good, do good things. It's good for you to, 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 to feed the homeless and to, and to, and to help somebody that is, that is hurting and to, and to be a good friend and to be a person that gives good advice. That might feel good. That might seem like it's good. But with God, we don't have anything. Maybe you're in the situation where you thought that being a Christian means as long as I look good to everybody and do what I want to in private time. Maybe you thought that was what a Christian means. And if you learned that from somebody else, if you've learned that from a bad example, I apologize for that. 
But being a Christian is not a part-time job. Being a Christian is not something that you can turn on and turn off. Being a Christian isn't about you earning good points over bad points. Like, oh man, I messed up. I gotta, I gotta go to church every day this week, this week to even it out. Do you realize that when it comes to sin and it comes to sins that you committed, that you're in a debt that you could not pay off? Do you realize when it comes to sin and falling short of the glory of God, when you, you realize when you commit a sin that, that you're putting yourself in a debt that, that you could never in a million years, in a million lifetimes pay off, that you deserve death, that you deserve hell, but thank God for his grace. That's the beauty of the gospel is that, look, it's not about how many good things that I can do. It's not about me feeling, uh, or me feeding a, a million homeless people. It isn't about me solving the cure for COVID or the cure for cancer or, or me doing all the different, different types of things here in the community. It's about the real transformational change that happens on the inside. Listen, and I'm not saying that feed the homeless isn't good, but, but, but allow Allow the Spirit of God to move through you because you never know. You feeding the homeless might be an opportunity to get that person saved. That's the real mission. That's the real job that we have to do is to lead people to Christ and not to ourselves. Don't be like these Instagram influencers and these YouTube influencers that only want to give to somebody when the camera's on. That only want to give money when they can be seen doing it. That no matter what, no matter what eyes are watching, no matter what cameras on, no matter what is going on around you, no matter what person is around you, that, that, that you continue to do good and righteous things because the spirit of the living God lives on the inside of you.